I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, welcome. It is Don't At Me. I am your host, Dan Takich. I'm right here ready for you all morning long. And we got breaking news. I mean, there's a couple things that just... Just came out, Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed are, uh, by all accounts, leaving the PGA Tour and heading the Live Tour. Let me tell you why this is happening. Both have won majors, both have exemptions into majors, and they can go make a hell of a lot more money in the LIV Tour. Interesting stuff just reported on SportsCenter just now. Of course, both said that they were not going to leave the tour. DeChambeau said, yeah, at this stage, not really. But the deal, it works out perfectly if you really think about it for major champions. The majors are not governed by the PGA Tour. Augusta National governs the Masters. The USGA governs the US Open. The RNA governs the British Open. And PGA of America, which is not the PGA Tour, governs the PGA Championship. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, look, like every other sport, it is a freaking money grab. Whether you like it or you dislike it, I don't know what to tell you. I'll give you some more breaking news that I just saw. Outkick has this. Uh, Jalen Brown says the answer to lunatics grabbing guns across the border and coming across is not only wearing T-shirts, but it is boycotting the NBA Finals. Look, if players want to boycott the NBA Finals, you absolutely will raise awareness to the issue, and that would be fine if that's the goal, and that apparently is what Jalen Brown is saying. Hey, look, we want to raise awareness, and he's not wrong. Hey, let's be honest. If all of a sudden, out of the blue, NBA players said tonight at 9 o'clock, both for Golden State and for Boston, we're not playing, uh, it would raise awareness. And you know what else it would do? It It would put their victimhood on a high level. And that sells in this day and age. Not necessarily victimhood. I'm not sure I'm right about victimhood, but their activism. Their activism would be strong. Yeah, not victimhood. There wouldn't be victims. But their activism would be strong. And let's be honest, everybody is dying for the next activist Nike deal, and that would help them and probably, I guess, help the league from that standpoint. The league wants to be active in social justice. The league wants to be active in social change, and this would be something that would certainly enhance that image. I don't know if it would be great for the league. I think it would turn a lot of people off. But, hey, I don't know what to tell you. I ain't mad at you if that's what you want to do. I ain't mad at you if that's not what you want to do. Wouldn't matter to me. It stays light out here around 10 o'clock. So by the time I get in to watch the, and I'm playing golf today with my wife around 6, so by the time I got in to watch, hell, I'll be tired anyway and go to sleep if they decide to do that. Uh, Go ahead. It's up to you. Also, ladies and gentlemen, I've said this before, and, man, we're rapid fire on you today. We don't mess around. Anybody that doesn't live in a little Pollyannic town, 
understands that voter fraud is real. And if you don't think it is, God bless you. Good for you. You grew up in a great place. In my world, in Gary, Indiana, Maryville, Indiana, Northwest Indiana, I've said this before and I'll say this again. Voter fraud is real. I've seen it. Hell, I had a friend of my father's come to our house and try to sign up the empty lot next to our house. I've told this story many, many times. Uh, my dad's like, look, we don't own it. Guy who taught me to jump shot, Frankie Kalensis, you can look him up. He's on an island, I think Mykonos, in Greece, uh, hiding from the feds. He got not only charged, but convicted. And w uh, when his sentencing was coming, he, uh, he took off. And now is escaped from Interpol in Greece. So, And it's all because they were paving driveways for people. It was voter fraud. So understand that, you know what, voter fraud is real. Ozzie Myers, 79 years old, Philadelphia, former congressman, pled guilty today to conspiracy to deprive voters of civil rights, bribery, obstruction of justice, falsification of voting records, and conspiring to illegally vote in a federal election for orchestrating schemes to fraudulently stuff the ballot boxes for specific Democratic candidates in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18 Pennsylvania elections. That's a fancy way of saying, oh, Ozzie Myers was a captain in charge of voter fraud in particular areas in and around Philadelphia, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. I get a kick. A big kick out of people telling me there's no such thing as voter fraud. That's like a guy walks in, sees his girlfriend or wife cheating in bed with another man, and the woman looks at him and says, I'm not cheating on you. You're going to believe me or you're going to believe what your eyes are telling you. When I see people say that, I say, God bless you. Mwah. You guys have a great life that you've never actually experienced the things that, oh, I don't know, a lot of people have. So there you go. Gun violence potentially being protested. Uh, we got the yay. We got voter fraud. We got a lot of stuff. We got guys leaving for money. Oh, my God. Players are actually leaving for money, going to somewhere for money. Whoa. I'm glad for Phil Mickelson. If I'm Phil Mickelson, hey, look, man, I said what I said, do what you want. I apologize. What do you want me to do? You want a pound of flesh? Here, take a bite. All right. Let's talk about a number of things that are going on. Life happens fast in, in, in professional and college sports. 2016, Joe Madden, on top of the world as the freaking manager of the Chicago Cubs. You got to understand, when Madden came to the Cubs after Theo Epstein had come to the Cubs. This was the Holy Grail. This was it. My God, this actually happened to us Cub fans. And what we thought was going to happen, happened. You know what it was? A World Series. Moves were made in the front office. Madden was a genius. He was fun. The players bought in. Guess what? Boom! World Series. First time since, uh, I met what, 2006 or something? I don't even know. So there you go. 
but it comes at you fast. So Madden's out in Chicago. He ends up with the Angels. He's in L.A. Perfect spot, they feel. He's got Otani. He's got Trout. He's got a, uh, he's got a general manager who is widely respected. They've got a big market. It's Joe Madden. Let's go. Well, guess what? One 12, now 13-game winning streak later, Joe Madden is out. It did not take long. It's his third season and really a nondescript season. And the fact that Joe Madden is out should tell coaches everywhere, be careful. Don't get too shot in the backside with your own success. There is a saying in college basketball, if Indiana will fire Bobby Knight, they will fire you. Should be the same thing in baseball. If the Angels will fire Joe Madden, or you could actually say if the Cubs would fire Joe Madden, they will fire you. Understand it, learn it, live it, love it if you're a coach. In fact, I have a son that's a coach, and I tell him this all the time. You had a great recruiting class. He came right to Illinois State. Boom, they did some things they didn't think they were going to be able to do with players they didn't think they were able to get. They did. They filled the roster. Be careful. Just keep grinding. Keep going. Our show is the greatest in the history of the morning, but you think think we just lean back, say, ah, we're C.J. McCollum and we can just chill? No, we're working. We're grinding. Every day, every night, we put down the vodka and we have at it. (laughs) Anyway, it's a cautionary tale and an interesting tale. And I got to tell you, last night the Angels played Boston, which is ironic, and uh, they got beat. Their 13-game losing streak, wow. Aren't there just some franchises that you go, man, I don't care who's coaching, managing that team, they stinks. They stinks. (laughs) A lot of debate right now on my Twitter handle about whether it is in Lake County, which is northwest Indiana, or Cook County, where in Chicago there's more voter fraud. We all know the answer to that. No one can fraudulently stuff ballots like Cook County in Chicago. That's not even a question. How many masseuses does it take? I don't know the answer to that. But I do know this, 66 masseuses, masseuses, mooses, masseuses, is what Deshaun Watson has. Here's the situation right now for Deshaun Watson. New York Times just came out with a huge piece detailing Deshaun Watson and all of the crazy stuff that he was into. And it basically said he's got 66 masseuses, and it goes through some declined comments, some everything was fine, 15 of them defended him, 24 of them have now uh, charged him, or not charged him, sued him. It goes through all the numbers, it comes up to 66. And it's fascinating because most people say to me anyway, hey, look, here's the deal, you get a masseuse, you like the masseuse, you stay with the masseuse. Now, some people also say, look, there's different types of masseuses, one for your back, one for a deep Swedish, one for your face, one for, your, you know, your leg. I don't even know. Let's just say for the sake of argument, 66 doesn't sound like a lot in a lot of areas. I got 66 cents. I got $66. That's not enough. I got 66 channels on my TV. Well, I got 3 billion channels. So in some areas, 66 doesn't seem like a lot, but I got to tell you, 66 masseuses seems like a lot. I mean, if you were going to write out all the names of all the masseuses, 
that would be a lot. That would cover some pages. That would be, I don't know, two or three legal pads worth of pages. Now, look, I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm not. I'm just saying it seems kind of odd to me he had 66 masseuse. And here's the situation that you're in yesterday, and now the New York Times uh, has read it. And look, I understand this. When I read the New York Times or I read any newspaper, I take them for what it's worth. I take that they're going to have a slant. I take that that slant is going to be towards whatever their particular slant is, whatever protects them. So it is a little surprising when someone like the New York Times comes out against a prominent African-American. It actually is very surprising. But again, newspapers go like that. They see which way the wind's blowing, and this is what I said yesterday. If you are the Cleveland Browns, what the hell do you do about this? Tell me what you do. I mean, the, the sea, the winds are blowing in a direction that is against your guy, Deshaun Watson, playing football for the Cleveland Browns. If I were going to make a prediction here, and this is totally blind, this is totally having my eyes closed because I don't know what Baker Mayfield has been doing over the last six months, but I would venture a guess that Baker Mayfield is going to play some football for the Cleveland Browns. I would venture a guess that within the next couple of weeks, the Cleveland Browns are going to sign Baker Mayfield, or at least not sign him, at least all of a sudden change courses with Baker Mayfield. Now, am I wrong about this? I would be 100%. Uh, I, I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong. But it would not surprise me even a little bit if out of the blue, uh, Baker Mayfield comes back, at least in their minds, for a short-term segment. You know, Stanley Ray today on Twitter says this, how they treated Baker Mayfield should tell everyone not to trust anyone in the organization and giving a multi-year contract to a player that even if he makes the field will be a huge distraction. Respect is not the Browns' motto. I feel bad for the players. A lot of people have turned the other way on Baker Mayfield. Uh, at Buckeyes' houses, I hope Baker Mayfield ends up having a last laugh. Brown's really messed this up. Uh, Hollywood Meach says if he's a predator talking about Deshaun Watson, why isn't he in jail? Why wasn't he arrested? Why wasn't he indicted? Being a freaky dude doesn't make you a criminal. Is he a wild boy doing things? I, I, I wouldn't sure, but he sure had But he has a thing that gets him off, and I believe uh, when it comes out, it will be consensual. Could be. Could be. Like, I don't know. I, there's two different points of view there, and I do agree to a certain degree. Um, to a certain degree, I agree with Hollywood Mensch. I mean, look, they had a chance to indict him, two different grand juries. Okay, he's a freaky dude, but here's the problem. He's a freaky dude. That for whatever, however freaky he is or isn't, however consensual it was or wasn't, you got 24 women that disagree with it just being a freaky dude and being consensual. That's what you got. You got 24 women that have been brave enough to file a case in civil court. So freaky dude or not freaky dude, consensual or not freaky, or not consensual. And these women, by all accounts, again, we don't know for sure, but by all accounts, according to lawyers, have turned down money. Turn down money to settle this thing. So they are not afraid to go forward with this. But it's interesting. Jay Clemens says, let's take one positive from the Deshaun Watson massage fiasco. The Browns can now be choosy with Baker Mayfield's trade market. They don't have to rush the process out of fear 
of any awkward training camp encounter between the two. Now, I disagree with that. You know, I, I, I disagree with that. I, I think as we sit here right now, Kobe Brissett would be the quarterback. But I'm just telling you, this is not over. If Baker Mayfield's smart here, and he's been working out, and he's been communicating, and, and I told you this three months ago, two months ago, Get off your backside. Stop doing the podcast. Stop being critical, Baker Mayfield, and save your career. But this is interesting. Albert Breer said on the Pat McAfee show that the 24th lawsuit against Watson was a surprise to the Browns and the league. They're not sure now. Think about this. They're not sure how upfront Watson was with the team. It's interesting. It's very interesting because the winds of change have swung a little bit towards Baker Mayfield here. And I have no idea what's going to happen, but I told you this a long time ago, man. You got to think beyond your nose. You do. You have to think beyond the schnoz and see what in the heck's going on long, excuse me, long term. And if, if Mayfield did, he may save his career at the expense of Watson. We shall see. We shall see. And I think it's inter- I think it's very, very interesting. I do. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who signed a three-year, $150.8 million extension uh, this year, says now that he is definitely going to finish his career in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is becoming imminently unlikable. Um, I know some people say that I am unlikable, but that's just because you don't know me. If you knew me, you would love me. However, when I hear Aaron Rodgers talk now, I get tired of it. It's like there's a couple people in the media that when I hear talk, I just turn it off. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Stephen A. Smith, when I hear him talk, I just turn it off. I don't know why. I just do. I mean, I don't want to be yelled at. And in Aaron Rodgers' case, I don't want to be talked down to by some football player. I, mean, I know he's a smart guy. I know he went to Cal. I know he can throw a football. I know he's been a tough guy. He's obviously a clutch putter because every time I turn that damn whatever that thing is called, he's making clutch putts. I mean, I totally get it. But the truth of the matter is Aaron Rodgers basically started talking about different things. Well, you know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm whatever. And I'm like, ah, okay, great. But the bottom line, he is saying that he is definitely, definitely going to finish his career in Green Bay. Now, here's the caveat to that. It seems like, and I don't know this to be true or not, but he's not afraid, let's put it this way, of changing courses and putting things out there to garner attention. Like, you all cared about that vaccine stuff a hell of a lot more than I did. I give a rat's ass. I don't care. It does not matter to me. Um, but the truth of the matter is, When you say, I will definitely end my career with the Packers, and you are one of the two or three greatest Packers of all time in terms of the quarterback position, that should end it. So I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers at his word, and I'm going to say it ends it. It's over. Done. As a friend of mine used to say, stop it, stupid. It's over. All right? It's over. Darius Leonard, our guy in Indy, has back surgery. Darius Leonard is an all-pro linebacker. 
Darius Leonard is a little bit light in the backside, all right? He's skinny for a linebacker. He's perfect if you're a freaking uh, human being. Like, if you're a human being, right, and you look like Darius Leonard, my dog even likes to hear about Darius Leonard. My dog's excited about Darius Leonard. But here's what an NFL guy told me about a middle linebacker. Wow, Leonard, damn. Spindly high-cut athletes don't fare well in the box or at the point of attack, and his body is rejecting it. If Darius just had to play sideline to sideline, he would be a Hall of Famer. But Darius plays right in the middle. You know what I'm saying? So he doesn't get to be, I don't know, like let's say an outside guy. Let's say uh, my favorite was Wilbur Marshall. Your favorite was probably Lawrence Taylor. But he has to be right in the middle. And I don't know if you've noticed lately, but guys in the middle of the line, those guys are like uh, human Coke machines, except probably bigger. 6'5", 295 to 350, and they're angry and they're coming at you. And Leonard is about 220. Now we got, here's my problem. You ready for this? And this is a problem that I have not only with Indianapolis, but all across the NFL. A lot of guys are paid a lot of money to be insiders. We all knew Darius Leonard. I am not one of those. Uh, Darius Leonard, we all knew, had a bad ankle. But nobody knew he had a back problem. Here in Indianapolis, we've got all kind of people. We've got the Indy Star. We've got, what is that thing called? The Athletic? The athlete, whatever it is. The Athletic? The Athletic? We got two guys, three guys writing about the Colts on that. We got ESPN Indianapolis. We got ESPN Colts. Not one person ever wrote that Darius Leonard was having back surgery until guess when? He had back surgery. Hell, I could tell you that. And I don't want to break news. As my cousin Roy used to say, why? <laughs> anyway, so Darius Leonard now has to have back surgery. All right, let's continue with camp news. We should have a segment, Dylan, called Camp News. Camp News. DK Metcalf is doing what you're supposed to do when you become a wide receiver of some fame. You're supposed to do things like miss mandatory minicamp. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? That's not fair. Of course it's fair. See that dude there? That's the perfect male specimen. Look at him. Do you remember when he ran down the guy on the sideline after a fumble recovery? He's one of my favorite players. He is. But DK Metcalf, and now if you're going to be a wide receiver that is really important to your team, it's almost like you have an obligation to be a diva and not show up at your mandatory OTAs. It's not like football asks you to do all this stuff. They don't even do anything in OTAs. What do you really do? Throw a few passes, run some drills, ah. It's summer camp is really what it is. It's like going to Alabama or Ohio State, Mississippi summer camp. But, there, uh, but DK Metcalf, who, by the way, had foot surgery, um, had he been at camp, he wouldn't have been doing anything anyway. But And he had been in attendance for voluntary work early in the offseason program. 
But the point of him missing camp right now is the point of everybody missing camp. Or NBA players threaten to boycott. We want something. So at the end of the day, DK Metcalf, what does he want? You know what he wants, baby, to quote the great Johnny Manziel. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash. I want the cash. So if you're going to want the cash, what do you do? You hold out. Well, there's $93,000 93, is the most that the team can find you, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but, and this is something that I wish the Colts would pay attention to because I want DK Metcalf on my team. Earlier, the Seahawks and DK Metcalf looked like they were coming this way. Now folks are speculating that because he is volunt- not, I'm sorry, has an unexcused absence to camp, DK Metcalf and the Seahawks are going that way. Not great. Not great if you're the Seahawks. Maybe great if you can swing a trade and bring DK Metcalf to the Colts. See, I like when the Colts are good. Our ratings go up and I make more money. All right. Diamond girl. Do, do. Sure do shine. Do, do. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. You know who that is? That Seals and Crofts, baby. And anybody that knows anything about music... Loves them some seals and crops. Hey, look, I understand they're not changing the world with their lyrics. I understand they're not effing the police. I understand they're not telling us how life is. Summer breeze, baby, makes me feel fine. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We may never pass this way again. Seals and Crofts, uh, I like them. Why? Because of those three songs. Look, I'm not going to act like I like every Seals and Crofts songs, but I did look them up this morning. And this is interesting. So Seals and Crofts, um, they started a band that was called the Dawnbreakers. And it was kind of separate. They did whatever. And they weren't very good. All right. Cross was a drummer for a local band. Seals joined the outfit called Dean Beard and the Crew Cats. He played the sax. Um, And it really didn't work. Although the two did reach number one with tequila. I want to make sure I have this. Long story short, they had some failures. They had some failures. A lot of us have failures. Twitter wasn't around to bury them. But anyway, so Jim Seals, he died. And I don't like it. I was a kid, just so you understand, that I hung out by myself. I had friends and all that. But my favorite times as a kid were in my driveway, which wasn't very big. Probably uh, you couldn't shoot an eight-foot jump shot. Uh, Well, you could straight away, about 10, 12 feet. But on the side, it was four feet or less. But I loved turning on WLS in Chicago and playing whatever they played in the 70s. And 1973, Diamond Girl came out, and I liked it. Darling, you want me to be closer to you. I didn't like that song, but I did kind of like it when I was, you know, putting the moves on Sue Graham in seventh grade. Yeah. I liked them. 
Jim Seals. Uh, he died yesterday. He was born in 1942, so that's 60 years. In another 20, he was 80 years old. Dudes were uber-talented musicians. So let's review real quick. Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau are headed to the LIV tour. Jalen Brown is calling for an – not calling. He is saying that an NBA boycott by the players would raise awareness on new laws for guns. Uh, Joe Madden got fired by the California Angels, Los Angeles Angels, whatever the hell they're called. Somehow, some way, Deshaun Watson needs 66 misses, and Baker Mayfield is starting to ratchet it up, at least in the consciousness of people. Aaron Rodgers says, quote, I will definitely stay in Green Bay for the remainder of his career. Darius Leonard has back surgery. DK Metcalf has an unexcused absence from Seahawks camp. And Jim Seals at 80 years old, rest in peace, Jim Seals of Seals and Cross passed away. When we come back, you know what it is. It's Wednesday. I got to give you a what the hell Wednesday. And then the most popular man not playing currently on the Warriors or uh, not named Jimmy Garoppolo in the San Francisco area, Damon Bruce, joins us as we discuss what's going to happen if they play tonight between the Warriors and the Celtics. Keep it right here. Go, go. tell your friends. Text your friends. Dockage is on a roll. If you live in Indy, tell them I got a what the hell from a bar that I actually have been to numerous times. We shall return in about a minute. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We are back and better than ever, baby. That's right. We are back and better than ever. I got to get this up. You know, I got this TV down here. It's very odd. It goes to, I don't even know what. But anyway, let's talk about what the hell Wednesday. It's Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday. And as you all know, I like me somewhat the hell Wednesday. All right. Let's put up a little Kevin Sorbo, can we? Can we put up? A tweet. I think this is awesome. Uh, can I drive your car? No, you're fine. Can I have a beer? No, you're fine. Can I have a cigarette? No, you're fine. Can I take home more hormones and change my gender? Of course, you know what's best. That's legit. Like, I don't care what argument you want to make, but... Letting five-year-olds decide anything other than which sandbox to play in is insanity. And we are living in a world of insanity. I want you to keep that up, if you don't mind, and look at that real quick. Just, just give that a look and tell me uh, that common sense anywhere, anytime factors into our world 
where we are letting five-year-olds determine anything. Anything. Hell, we got all these millennials that voted for this idiot that eat Tide Pods. That's what they eat. Tide Pods. And we pay attention to them. I Look, whether you like Kevin Sorbo, whether you even know who Kevin Sorbo is, by the way, he's an actor. If you read that and you go, man, the first thing you got to say is, what the hell? Kevin Sorbo's right. Can I drive a car? No, you're five. What are you talking about? Although I must say, I used to let my kids sit on my lap and drive in our neighborhood. Yeah, I know. Arrest me. Whatever. Can I have a beer? No, you're five. And I was not one of those dads that was the cool dad that let their you know teenage son drink beer as long as it was at home. I'm like, no. You got your whole life to drink beer. It'll happen for you. Don't sweat it. Hey, can I have a cigarette? No. You're five. (laughs) Hey, Dad, I got this thing hanging down between my legs. I don't want it no more. Can I get rid of it and take hormones? Oh, yeah, you know what's best. That is so good. That is one of my top five favorite tweets ever when it comes to what is happening in our country. My God, you're five years old. But, hey, look, change your business. That, ladies and gentlemen, may be the greatest what the hell ever. So a couple years ago, my wife and I, we went shopping. And we went shopping at this mall that she works at. It's called a fashion mall. It's up here on 82nd Street. And we decided we're going to stop in and just have a beer and a sando. And the place there on the far right is called Tilly's Pub. And Tilly's Pub is where it's a small, you see it, it's right there in the middle of, you know, a strip mall. And it's on a busy intersection, 82nd Street in Indianapolis. So my wife and I stop in there. And it's a dive bar, but hey, look, people are nice and we have a beer. We're going to have a beer. We're going to sit. We're going to talk about the day. One thing I like doing, and this is very weird, but I like having a beer After I go shopping, I like the hustle and bustle of Christmas. I do. I like going there and people are happy and I go to a mall and my wife and I go shopping and then we usually find a little place and this was our place, Tilly's Pub. Come to find out it was Larry Bird's hangout. Larry used to hang there. Uh, Pacers lived across the street. I don't know what was there, but it was like some lake or something off 82nd Street and You know, uh, Slick Leonard would go in there. They weren't there the day that I was there, but Billy was there. So my wife and I are at the bar, and we're minding our own business. I like to sit in the corner. I like sitting at the bar because this one had a TV right there. I could watch it. And two guys come in. One was Billy, and one was a tennis guy. And they start talking to us. And one guy kept going on and on and on and on and on about tennis. And he knew my nephew. And... Billy was about a 1,000 years old and obviously a drunk. Billy's hammered. Billy's sitting on the bar stool, and Billy is a mess. But he keeps drinking. Lee and I were sipping, just kind of sipping a beer, having a sandwich, you know, bar food. All of a sudden, Billy stands up. Now, Billy's 110. Billy stands up. Whap! 
just hits the deck. Now, generally, I am the first guy to jump and help, but I stood up, looked at him. Down goes Billy, is what I yelled. And to this day, anytime my wife and I, in Tilly's pub or anywhere, see somebody fall down, we always say to each other, down goes Billy. So that's my history at Tilly's pub. But Tilly's pub the other day got far more popular for a different reason. All right. So, there's a guy. He's just minding his own business. He decides, it's okay. I'm going to go to Tilly's Pub. Cool. Go to Tilly's Pub. His name is Andre Smith. Andre Smith, um, 26 years old, was at Tilly's Pub. His girlfriend decided, I think he's cheating on me. Uh, his girlfriend got out. It it says here, now I want you to tell me what this is. Used a tracking device to find him because he was supposedly with another woman. Now, I think you can like track your daughter, your son's phone. I've never done it, but I think you can. So anyway, she tracks to my place, Tilly's Pub, where she proceeds to come up to them and says, I'm going to beat her. The woman. The woman uh, is going to get beaten. Witnesses say the suspect then grabbed an empty wine bottle, went over to that woman, and swung at her. The The suspect swings the wine bottle. The woman blocks the attack. Both are asked to leave the bar. Then this lady, the suspect, saw Smith in the parking lot, quote, clipped him with her car, then backed over him, then pulled forward over him a total of three times. Then, after killing Andre Smith, the the suspect went after the woman again. You know what's interesting about this story? And this is our great city of Indianapolis. Um, our television station, WRTV, doesn't name the suspect. They only name the victim. WRTV does not name suspects until they are formally charged. I, okay, what the hell? Hey, I get it. You're mad. I get it. Andre Smith's the love of your life. I get it. We all get that. We all had... Like, you know, even with all this, I've had women dump me or cheat on me that I wasn't too excited about. But I got to tell you, never really given a thought to running over somebody with a car, have you? Raise your hand. I'm going to go to the YouTube chat. Raise your hand if you have ever thought about running somebody over in a car. Like, that's one of my great fears in life. I had a friend in college that ran somebody over that had fallen off of a motorcycle, hit him, killed him, had to go to trial over it, got acquitted. But that's like my biggest fear is hitting somebody in a car. I don't care how mad I am. And I can get pretty ragey. (laughs) Tilly's Pub, baby. Down goes Billy in Tilly's Pub. At the end of the story, so Billy then gets up. 
And you know how when you see at minor league games, you put your head on the bat and you spin around and you try to walk. And that's what Billy did. And the idiot that was with Billy was going to let Billy drive home. And I'm like, you can't let Billy drive home, you fool. You came in here with him. Drive his ass home. God is great. Beer is good. And people are crazy. Let me give you another one. I don't know how you do this, but I'm going to read this to you because this, how do you get cockroaches into a courtroom? I don't understand it, but this is what happened in Albany, New York. Listen to this. A courthouse in Albany, New York was closed for fumigation Tuesday after hundreds of cockroaches were released during an altercation that broke out at an arraignment According to court officials, listen to this. The clash broke out during proceedings at the Albany City Court for four people for an arrest at the state capitol. A defendant who started to film the courthouse proceeding was told to stop. So this defendant decides, I'm going to bring a camcorder. All right? In the altercation that followed, hundreds of cockroaches, now think about this, what the hell, brought into the courthouse in plastic containers were released. Court officials arrested a 34-year-old woman in the audience for charges relating to the altercation, disorderly conduct, obstructing government administration, and tampering with physical evidence. She was released and not really clear whether she had an attorney speak on her behalf. It's not activism. It's criminal behavior with the intent to disrupt a proceeding and cause damage. Yeah, I think. So you're on trial. I'm your friend. We scam this together because not one person thinks of this kind of what the hell, right? Not one person thinks of it. You go, hey, I'll bring the cockroaches. You go to me, what? Yeah, think about it. If we don't get what we want, we're going to release cockroaches in this building. Now, think about cockroaches. What do they always say about cockroaches? If you see one, you see a thousand. But my question is, every courthouse in the country, you got to take like stuff out of your pockets and you got to put them on a conveyor belt, or at least you got to go through some kind of screener. The question I have is how do you get cockroaches through a screener? Like, I guess maybe you put them in your purse and it goes through. How does somebody not say, Hey, what do you got in that container? Well, I got my pet cockroaches. I think they're really cool, and I got to go wherever they go. They're my comfort. They're my service animal. Cockroaches are my love language. So I got to bring them into the courthouse. What? So that truly is a what the hell here on Wednesday. You know, a few years back, and this is something that I kind of admire. I'm not saying it's the right thing but I do kind of admire it. Kid Rock, a few years back, went at Oprah. Kid Rock went at Oprah to the point where you're like, man, Kid Rock really doesn't like Oprah. I mean, Kid Rock is like, wow. Now, I don't know what Oprah did to Kid Rock. I don't know, you know, and who cares? 
the self-proclaimed American badass, that's our friend Kid Rock. And by the way, put your politics aside and go see Kid Rock. I got to tell you, Kid Rock is terrific. I mean, when Kid Rock decides he's going to play like seven different instruments all in a row and then he's going to fly in the air to the backstage, I'm telling you, it's awesome. I'll watch smoking a cigar and drinking whiskey. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Kid Rock is not Eminem. He's not some kid from the streets. Uh, he had a unbelievable, he has unbelievable wealth from his family, but I digress. Kid Rock is now 51 years old. Uh, Kid Rock uh, decided that he was going to rip Oprah, all right? Hey, I just want women, that blank her, she can blank my blank sideways, all right? Uh, he said, I'm not a bad guy, I'm just an honest guy. I don't like Oprah or Joey Behar. So he went on this soapbox, and being a Trump supporter, of course, people said that he is a racist. He says he's a truth teller. And he said, oh, let's play the video. Let's do it, Dylan. Yeah. I'm all in on the video. Dylan just told me we can play the video. So we're gonna, I'm going to hang Another in crazy here. Day? Until we gonna... You're a CIO in 2022. But you're covered with security that protects your company everywhere, on-premise, in the cloud, and right here, too. Comcast Quick advertising. Powering possibility. There you go. When you've got your own honky-tonk, you can me. do whatever you want on stage. And Kid Rock does. I'm like over 134 Joy Behar. I think it's A drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts. I own what I say. I'm yeah. not apologizing to anybody. I'm not an Oprah Winfrey fan. So that, no, I'm not either. And, um... So I got drunk, and the next thing I'm on stage, like, Oprah, I suck my sideways. The up part is I was trying to go after uh, Kathy uh, Griffin, you know, for holding up Trump's head. And so, but I'm so damn out of it. I'm like, Kathy Lee Gifford. And like, and when it comes back on TMZ or whatever, a few weeks later, I'm like, oh man, I like Kathy Lee Gifford. We've, we've been kind of friendly throughout the years. I'm like, Ah, oh, that's where I found my... Now, now I feel a little bad. There you go, baby. Kid Rock, self-proclaimed American badass. He doesn't look good. Either that or he looks really good. I can never tell when people get skinny. Sometimes they don't look good. Sometimes they look bad. But there you go, Kid Rock. What the hell? I don't know if it's good or bad. I have no idea. You make your own judgment. My judgment is I like the fact that he didn't walk it back. You feel like you feel. And we all know if, you, if you're going to say Oprah Winfrey, you better say Joey Behar or some white woman or else, of course, you know what's going to be said about you. But, hey, sometimes you just don't like people. And Kid Rock apparently has a problem with Oprah. I personally like Oprah. I got no problem with Oprah. I ain't mad at Oprah. You guys can be mad at Oprah. I ain't mad at it. I like her. I don't know. Nothing wrong with Oprah. Why are, we, why are we mad at Oprah? Hello? We're going to give away cars. Thank you for coming here. What? Oprah listens to everything. The whole Oprah marriage thing may be weird, but who am I to say? Joy Behar and the ladies on The View, we've talked about them. My problem is the only problem that I have with The View, because I've never watched it, is when they said, 
Uh, or Whoopi Goldberg said to my friend Samantha Ponder, hey, look, look, uh, we don't want no white women on this week. So Sam was like, all right, I guess I'm not hosting The View this week. What are you going to do? When, when Whoopi speaks on that show, it is what it is. What can I tell you? But that's pretty good. Good. I don't know. Does, uh, we should have a Twitter poll. Does Kid Rock look good or does Kid Rock look bad there? Hey, Dockage, I can't believe that you just played that damn Tucker Carlson. Oh, shut up. Just shut up. Dockage, I knew it. I knew it. You're one of them. I thought you was a good guy, but now you're one of them. You play that damn Tucker Carlson one more time, I swear to God, Dockage, I'm going to send you a bag of you-know-what's in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Dockage, I do. See, Dockage, I didn't know you was like that when I knew you when you was a kid, but now I know you was like that, now I can't stand you. I can hear it already. I got two words for you. <laughs> anyway, um, I have a few. Before I became America's foremost political insider, I have a few idols in broadcast. Tony Kornheiser, when he did ESPN's show, uh, I really liked. We got a Twitter poll, by the way, going up on our YouTube chat about does Kid Rock look good for his age? Now, Kid Rock's 51. I'm 59. I'm looking at myself today, and I look absolutely glorious. Honest to God. Thank you very much, Jason Cox. Thank you. I watch DD because it's the truth. All right. There you go. Look, I got to tell you, I like Kid Rock. I like Oprah. I, I haven't really watched Tucker Carlson, but, you know, I don't know. I kind of like him. Well, I ain't mad at nobody. I like Steph Curry. I like the lady uh, Andrews who's interviewing him. I like everybody. I'll rip your ass if you screw up, but that's my job. All right, back to my... Broadcast idols. I had a few. One of the main ones, when I went to ESPN, one of the reasons I was the best announcer in basketball that they've ever had, according to them, not me. I, I didn't think I was very good. I'm with you guys. I think I sucked. But according to the powers to be, and I just got a nice text just now from one of the powers to be, used to be one of the powers to be, he's now retired. But one of, they all said, was because I was able to forecast, say what is going to happen. Sometimes I got it wrong, famously once, uh, with a guy named Ayo DeSumo against Michigan State. But Steve Stone, for those of us from Northwest Indiana, when we would watch the Cubs, Steve Stone would say, well, you know, if he throws a high fastball here, and I think he will, he'll get a strikeout, high fastball strikeout. Well, you know... If he goes with anything other than a curveball here, the ball's going to be hit high. Guy would throw a fastball, boom. They'd hit it. Steve Stone is a broadcast genius. I don't know whether you like Steve Stone, you don't like Steve Stone. I got no idea. But Steve Stone and Harry Carey were legendary in the Chicago area. Steve is now, and people don't know this, but back in the day, ABC had Monday Night Baseball. And Steve Stone, who was a Cy Young pitcher back in the day, was selected to be the announcer. He was selected to be the Howard Cosell, the Dandy Don, whatever. They were trying to make Monday Night Baseball into what Monday Night Football was. Steve Stone was the announcer, but people didn't like him. 
because his voice is a little nasally. So I've always loved him. I didn't like him. I love him. When Steve Stone does a game, I watch the game. He's one of the rare broadcasters because he's interesting. And I make the argument he and Jason Benetti are the best crew in baseball, maybe the best hometown crew in any sport, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever. So everybody has their guy. Like uh, Marby Dog, Marty Dog says uh, Brenneman was his guy, Marty Brenneman. It's fun. Well, Steve Stone is celebrating 40 years in the booth. Now, I got to tell you, I remember Steve Stone pitching. I liked his windup. So I acted like I was either Steve Stone or Fergie Jenkins when they pitched. But 40 years in the booth is definitely a what the hell. If you get a chance, we don't get the we don't get the local broadcast of the White Sox here in Indianapolis. I wish we did because Benetti's a good friend. In fact, he'll be on my afternoon show in Indianapolis today, along with Tom Allen, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. But Benetti is a friend. Stone is an idol. And happy 40th birthday or happy 40th year on the damn air, Steve Stone. I've been on the air 15 years, and i got to tell you, that's a lot for me. But 40, I will not live 40. That would be another 25 years. No, I'm. that would be 85 years old, and no one needs to see my sorry ass now, much less 85. Although i got to tell you, compared to Kid Rock, I look really good. Yeah. Ed Rogers says he would get stoned with Steve Stone. I see what you did there, Ed Rogers, but a fantastic what the hell to the great Steve Stone. My other broadcast idols, I love Cowherd. I thought Cowherd was terrific. I loved Howard Cosell. I thought Howard Cosell was absolutely fantastic. You guys probably don't remember Fred Carter. Fred Carter and Jason Jackson, I think it was Jason, were on the NBA Tonight, the original show on ESPN, and I loved Mad Dog Carter. Reason I loved Mad Dog Carter was because Mad Dog Carter just simply was one of those guys that was old school that spoke the truth. If a guy was dogging it, Carter said it. If a guy was great, Carter said it. Same with Cosell. No question. Same thing about Howard Cosell. I thought Howard Cosell was absolutely fantastic. I wasn't much of a dandy Don guy. I know he was interesting. I know people liked him. And Frank Gifford, I thought, was very smooth. But I'm talking more analysts. Stoney, fantastic. And those of us that live in Chicago or lived around Chicago and watched the Cubs call him Stoney. He's like one of our guys. What up, Stoney? Make no mistake, he and Hawk Harrelson, longtime partners, hated one another. I mean, they hated one another. But Stoney has persevered. So let's review Kevin Sorbo's tweet about, hey, I want a cigarette. You can't have a cigarette. You're five. I want to drive the car. You can't drive the car. You're five. I want a beer. You can't have a beer. You're five. I want to change my sex. You know best. So good. So funny. I don't know Kevin Sorbo. I'm not even sure I could pick Kevin Sorbo out of a lineup, but I got to tell you, he's a pretty good follow on Twitter. That's one what the hell. My place. It's really not my place. I've been there a few times. I didn't mind going there. In fact, Lee and I, when we're driving down 82nd Street, we always ask, hey, you want to stop in for one at Tilly's? And the answer is usually no, but sometimes we do. So a dude decided I'm going to run over, or a woman decided I'm going to run over my cheating, lying, dog-ass boyfriend. Not once, and <laughs> not twice. 
if the first time didn't kill him, I'm pretty sure the second time killed him. And if it didn't the second time, then I got to believe the third time killed him. Actually, in that area, it's the second time somebody's been killed in that area. There's a bar right down to, right down the same um, strip mall called Drake's. Two dudes got into it over a beanbag game. We call it bags, cornhole, whatever you call it. The dude went to his car, shot the other guy. Uh, cockroaches released in the Albany courthouse. Who brings cockroaches to a damn court hearing? I don't know. And hey, look, I have a lot of answers. I don't have the answer for that one. Then, of course, Oprah, I'm sorry, but Kid Rock don't like him. Kid Rock is not apologizing for don't like for not liking you. Nothing I can tell you. And then Steve Stone. Stoney, 40 years in the booth. That's right, 4-0. When we come back, we are going to preview the Warriors and the Celtics. The game is 9 o'clock tonight on ESPN, assuming it goes off. I mean, let's be honest. Jalen Brown is not happy. Jalen Brown is saying, hey, wait a second. We may have to boycott. We're going to talk to the legend. There is two people. One is Steph Curry. The other is Damon Bruce. When you talk about sports in the great city of San Francisco, we got Damon Bruce next. Don't at me, people. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I said there's only two people in San Francisco that if you're going to tell, well, it's probably more, but the most popular two in San Francisco, one is Steph Curry and the other is Damon Bruce right here. I'm just telling you, 95-7 the game, he's a legend. I mean, when you say the name Damon Bruce in San Francisco, one of two things happen. People run up to you and give you a kiss or people throw an egg in your face. It's just that simple and that's what makes the man a legend. Thanks for joining us. I know you are absolutely swapped, big boy. It is so good to see you, Dan. Thank you for having me. And I'll tell you what gives me my basketball credibility. You know, we have Steph Curry and the Warriors back in the postseason, obviously. But this is what creates basketball credibility more than anything else, baby. Right there. There she is. Just... <laughs> the three people in the world. It does. The three people in the world. The three people in the world who know the most about basketball are Bobby Knight, anyone who went to IU, and then there's the rest of everyone else. So it's great to be with you. Great to talk to you today. And we got a big game tonight in Boston. There's no doubt about that. Hey, what? all right, let's take the first two games, and let's just take it from the Warriors' perspective because you see them most. What has been your thought right now after two games just on the Warriors? 
So the Warriors are absolutely capable of meeting Boston's physicality in this series. I know that that was a question mark. They can't get bigger than Boston. Nobody can add inches to themselves magically overnight, but they're playing like big boys. Uh, Kavon Looney has absolutely redefined what a lot of people think about him down low. And when the Warriors are small, you know, who is that big in the small lineup? We know that you can throw Draymond down there. Andrew Wiggins is a real coming of age story this entire season and has been a real contributor and what I thought would be weak spots or points to attack haven't necessarily been so I think we're even Steven here um you know in game one the Warriors let go of the rope severely in the fourth quarter and they were punished for it in game two Boston lets go of the rope in the entire second half basically and was pretty sloppy up until then so I think that the Warriors are in really good shape considering nobody's really joined the parade but Steph Curry yet. Curry's got 63 points through two games. He's doing all the things that you need Steph Curry to do to win series. No one's really joined him. When Clay Thompson, when Jordan Poole, when Wiggins, when Draymond has a big game, Boston's going to have its hands full. What's a big game in your mind for Draymond Green? You know, seven, eight, nine. I mean, the guy can the, the guy doesn't need double digits anywhere. He needs to just be, uh, you know, he needs to show some aggressiveness trying to score the ball, trying being the key word. And he just needs to be a defensive everything. He's got to be in war daddy Draymond mode. And when that happens, uh, the Warriors really do level up. I know that he is a player that a lot of fans hate. I'll tell you, even Warriors fans get rubbed the wrong way by Draymond's on-court behavior and it's not just the type of on-court behavior that oh you know you're playing really hard and you pick up a tech you pick up a flagrant it's the dead ball nonsense that he's always in with the officials that drives people nuts but it is a sign that he's locked into a game when Draymond looks like he's about to punch an official the Warriors chances of winning just went up a few notches is that is that the tell right there, Dave? Is is it like, hey, Draymond's getting ready to throw hands. We're good right now. Is that it? It 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 really is. You know, basketball fans who are you know around my age, your age, they remember playoff basketball in the mid to late eighties, the early nineties, and you had to have a junkyard dog. Like that was the price of admission. And Draymond is the Golden State Warriors junkyard dog. He's the head of security. He is the defensive coordinator. He is probably, you know, if you're looking for the player to put your eyes on, how are the Warriors playing tonight? Just just find Draymond Green. And he really is a Rorschach test for how much you know about basketball. You can look at a box score. You can watch with your own eyes and you can say, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand why anyone talks about Draymond Green with any regard. He's just a big mouth. He's got a good podcast. But why? You know, why are we fascinated <laughs> by that guy? It's, it's, it's the winning and it's all the stuff that basketball people understand. How he cuts off angles, weak side defense, rotations, barking out everything like a free safety. He is, he is a savant wrapped in an otherwise ungraceful basketball player. When, when you saw what happened with him having a technical and then ob obviously the, the Jalen Brown deal and then a the little bit of the aftermath, as a, as a Warriors <laughs> guy that's watched the Warriors, what would you think? Well, I thought – so the double technical that wasn't called on Brown – 
and green is usually called. So I thought, oh my gosh, he just got himself thrown out of an NBA finals game, didn't he? Because they're going to ring his bell because he picked up what I've been calling one of the dumbest technical fouls you'll ever see him pick up. Earlier in the game, he runs through Grant Williams, foul on Grant Williams. And all of a sudden, he's still complaining. He's still playing arm chicken and the dead ball. And, like, what are you doing? Everything that just could have gone your way went your way. Now's not the time to get a cheapie because we all know that the physical nature and the poking and the prodding that the Celtics are going to do to try to get you to go off is going to happen later in the game. So you almost have to keep a, I'm going to get an accidental tech in your pocket, which means you can't pick up the stupid tech, which he picked up really early. So I thought, oh, no. You know, my show tomorrow is going to be how Draymond got thrown out and the Warriors lost another NBA Finals game because Draymond wasn't there. Thank God that that didn't happen. We had Steve Javi on my show just the other day talking about it, and he thought, yeah, you know, during any semblance of regular season basketball, that's called a double tech. But, you know, and this is where Javi gave up the goat that pissed off a lot of people who were watching that broadcast when he said – you do keep in mind how many technicals a player has, and you don't want to go ejecting a, a player from an NBA Finals game. You don't, that's not the goal. You go over to the monitor and you look for reasons to not eject a player. You don't go over to the monitor and look for reasons to throw a player out. So uh, I know that that would have – I know that that pissed off a lot of Boston fans, and I'll be the first to admit, if the shoe were on the other foot and Jalen Brown had picked up the cheapie oh. and – had been there. Oh, Warrior fans would have been apoplectic, Dan, on Twitter. They would have been, they would have, they would have gone nuts about the entire situation. But uh, you know, it's, it's good to be on the right side of history for once with Draymond, I guess. Hey, Damon, I, I I you're from this era. I used to tell Coach Knight all the time when I was his assistant, I'm like, Coach, you think because you're a jackass to the athletic director or the vice president that you're getting over on them, but they have egos too. And don't think that that's not going to come back. I used to tell them this all the time. Don't think it's not going to come back to bite you. And it obviously did. So Draymond, he bit the hand that's feeding him in my opinion. And I'm curious your thought on him saying, well, I've earned preferential treatment. Now, if I'm the referee or I'm Adam Silver or I'm Javi or I'm whoever, I'm like, wait a second, you just embarrassed us. We gave you a break, and now you're basically throwing it in our face by saying you get preferential treatment. I'm going to watch that. I think something's going to happen here with a couple games in Boston to see what happens. I am. Well, everyone is going to be needling. You know, every Boston Celtic, every Celtic coach, any fan sitting on the sideline to, you know, Stu and Sully all the way up in the upper deck there, they're going to be all over. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to it's going to be a madhouse trying to provoke him. So he absolutely invites that. And you're right. He said the quiet part out loud. You know, he really did. He, he what we all know is the unspoken truths are supposed to be unspoken truths. And he says it out loud. And uh, look, as a talk show host, it's mwah, it's refreshing. It's great. It's, right. I love it. He, right. he is a content machine. He really is. But uh, yeah, he, he will, sometimes his mouth writes checks you hope don't get cashed by the NBA. 
What's going on with Clay Thompson? You're looking at a guy searching for a shot. He's searching for his consistency and having the layoff of all the injury and the rehab and the Achilles and the ACL. We all understand why the thing is though, there's no more time for narrative. There's no more time for, isn't it a great story? Isn't it just fantastic? He's out here and moving. Well, this is the NBA finals. This is a ticking clock. The sand goes through the hourglass quickly. So um, Steve Kerr has Draymond on full scholarship. That's his guy. And Steve goes and sits in foxholes with his guys and gives his guys all the time in the world they need to figure things out because they're on scholarship. But the truth is, the fact that Jordan Poole is sitting there and he needs to start getting loose, that's an option that Steve, I think, needs to go to a little early when signs of struggle show up quickly. I think that, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later when you ask about X factors or what could be the difference here. Gary Payton II could be a huge difference in this NBA Finals, and no one would have began the year saying that. But he could be, and that's another guy that I think could pick up Clay Thompson minutes if he continues to struggle. I'll also tell you this. There's a very good chance Clay goes for 33 tonight. It's just who he is. Right. There is no, there is no barometer that you're about to get a game six Clay in any other, you know, scenario other than game six, you know, there, there is no sign that he is going to be on a heater on any one night. It just happens. He was in the worst shooting slump of his career a couple of years ago. And then he went hit an NBA record, 14 threes in Chicago that night. You know, I mean, it, he, he is that dude. So he's got a lot of grace with Warriors fans. We love Clay Thompson. He's one of the coolest customers in the NBA in all of sports. He really is, but it's the NBA finals. You can't stay patient for long. When, when Jordan Poole was in college, I remember asking John Beeline, I go, Hey, all right, how do you know when Poole is really going? Because let's be honest, he he's hit or miss sometimes, not only in the NBA, but he was in college. And Beeline told me, he goes, Dan, I swear to God, when the guy's going to the bucket, I feel really good about what he's going to do. When he's starting to settle and starts taking a bad shot or two, I got to get him out and I got to remind him, yes, you can shoot, but you got to go to the bucket as a pro. How do fans, in your mind, know that Jordan Poole, is there a tell that he's going to have one of those games like he had the other night? Is there something he does that lets you know, all right, Poole's going to go off? Or is there something he does that tells you, yeah, you're going to have to get his ass out of there. He ain't, he ain't doing it tonight. Well, he's never going to be a slap-the-floor defender, and I think we know that. Um, but when he is just a sieve defensively, there's a problem. When it comes to initiating offense, if there's any hesitation, if it looks like he is a little confused or overwhelmed, that's when it's, that's when it's off. When Jordan Poole's at his best, he is get the rock, go. I mean, he is instantly into that first dribble. He's got a lightning fast first step. And when he's jabbing, when he's thinking about what he wants to do and he doesn't just go, that's when you're in trouble with Jordan Poole. Um, you know, look, when the Warriors drafted him, who's the first person I texted, Dan? I texted you. You know, you know an awful lot about Big Ten players, your son at Michigan at the time, so you were connected with that team. And you said the Warriors got a guy – if he figures it out, something special could be there. We're watch, we watched him sort of figure it out during the regular season. That's why the something special is going on with Jordan Poole narrative. Well, it's not even a narrative. It's a reality. It's happening. This kid is an NBA player to the point where right now 
he's one of the top 35, 40 players in this league. I mean, he can come off the bench and put 30 on you like his name was Jordan Clarkson. You know, he he is pretty damn good. But what he is is also going through the growing pains of an NBA Finals. And the first playoffs feel different than anything you'll ever go through as a basketball player. You know, the intensity gets ratcheted up each round and we're watching growing pains in the NBA finals. And that's a tough place to watch growing pains. It's why you don't see a lot of rookies or young players have great success in early playoff appearances. You normally got to knock on the door before you get through. Um, But he, he's special, man. And it's just another, you'll know early on whether or not he's feeling it, that, that half court shot he hit, uh, a couple back-to-back threes at the end of game two. I hope, you know, unleashed a level of confidence that he can tap into and take on the road with him to Boston because it's it's all hands on deck, man. You know, I, I know you brought me on to talk about the Warriors, but, I mean, I, I'm impressed by Boston. And that's what I think makes this a fine, a fascinating NBA Finals. We are, When's the last time we had even matchups? I mean, when's the last time across the board it was really even Stevens and it wasn't overwhelmingly lopsided to one team having an advantage or a clear weak point to attack? I mean, you got well-coached, well-constructed, balanced, good NBA teams meeting off here. No one's great. No one's bad. Uh, it's, 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 it's a fascinating matchup. I mean, you know, fighters with equal height – an equal reach and equal weight is what it kind of feels like so far through two games. And, you know, I, I really haven't gotten a feel for the series. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. I mean, the Warriors have as good a chance of losing by 20 as they do winning by 15. I really believe that. And I think it's the same way with Boston who is schizophrenic, Boston will show you an unbelievable basketball game and then go lay an egg usually at home. So, you know, if I'm supposed to be talking about the Celtics, like they got the 1985 Chicago bears defense, like I can't do that yet. This is, you know, this isn't the, the warriors of the Kevin Durant era either. This is not roll the ball out and we're going to win time. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's so good for business. I think our station's ratings are having a really good week, Dan. (laughs) You think really? I was going to ask you about Boston. And from this standpoint, uh, what does Boston do well that really affects the Warriors? They penetrate. They penetrate. They, you know, they can get to the rim, which is funny because it's, it's maybe the, the worst handled backcourt in the NBA in terms of just how's your dribble. You know, Tatum has trouble putting right. it on the floor. Smart isn't exactly Magic Johnson out there. And Jalen Brown can be an adventure the minute that ball goes on the floor. But they get to the rim, man. They, and they're hungry. I mean, you know, you, the, the, the hunger that comes with youth, the wanting your first championship is – how do you measure that? And I'm not saying that the Warriors are complacent or they're resting on their laurels in any way, shape, or form. I think actually it's one of the most fascinating things about the Warriors is the hunger that remains from guys who have been so well-fed. But Boston is hungry – they're tenacious defensively. We all know that, but th- they can they can get to the rim. And what you've seen is the Warriors go away from a zone concept and play more man to man. They got past Memphis and Dallas by daring poor three point shooters to shoot. They would leave guys wide open. Just you know, there you go. the The math of the game says 
you take that shot, that's a good defensive possession for us. And you would have Maxi Kleber miss that shot. Well, Al Horford didn't miss that shot in game one. He missed that shot in game two. So the Warriors, what they do to make them miss that shot, they got up in some jerseys. They can't be passive. They can't be, they can't play analytics defense. Let them take that shot. It's the finals. Guard all the shots. You know, there's going to be a swung to the open corner, wide open three. There's like four of those a game just in every basketball game that's ever been played. So those can be the wide open shots. Don't choose to lose, lose anyone. Don't choose to invite a three point shot because, you know, we've seen role players really, really step up and be impressive for Boston. So it's, you know, the, what didn't happen for, for Denver or Memphis or Dallas can happen for Boston. So that's what the Warriors need to focus on. Just man-to-man, you know, not 48 minutes of hell, Nolan Richardson stuff, but they, they just got to be a defensive. They got to be so locked in defensively to every play. There is no let-up. Is Steph Curry underrated as a defender? I think so. Uh, although it seems like people are starting to get it. So maybe he's properly rated. You know, he's never going to be yeah. on all defensive teams, but he has done everything to present, you know, like a, what, what do they say in the animal kingdom? You got to present, you got to get big. Steph gets as big as he can. He's put on the weight. He has put on the muscle. He is harder to move off of a spot. He's got lightning fast hands. He jumps into passing lanes. He's got three steals per game. I mean, he's averaging three steals per game through two games of the NBA Finals. He does his job. You don't need to hide him the way that you hope to hide Jordan Poole. You know, so um, by the way, so when Jordan Poole is in there, that's when they're usually playing most of their zone. So keep an eye on that. Um, but Curry is, you know, he's he's solid. They're, they're, there is no aspect of him that is a true demerit. For anyone who wants to talk about what Steph Curry isn't or what he hasn't done yet, or you know he hasn't won an NBA Finals MVP, which I never understood was as important as it's been invented to be because it's the one thing people can say he doesn't have. Um, this guy, the, I mean, Steph Curry's a made man. There's, he's, he's in. He's in. He's one of the greatest basketball players all, of all time. He is one of the rare evolutionary steps in the history of basketball. Because of Steph Curry, basketball is played differently in every gym in America, in every gym around the world, for the rest of our lives. You know, we watched Michael Jordan and said, wow, I wish we could do that. But if you couldn't dunk, you couldn't do that. If you're strong enough to get off a three, maybe you could do that. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about Curry. You'd think that this incredible leader who's been wildly successful, a model citizen, happily married, beautiful family, you think that there would be more admiration for this guy than there really is. But we also live in a world where, you know, people got to fill the void in the vacuum that is 24-hour news channels every day. And to just talk about how great Steph Curry is, you know, it doesn't make for sizzling television. So people got a nitpick and it's, but it's getting to like the skip Bayless doesn't like LeBron level with some people. And it's nuts. It really is. It's really nuts. And it's, it, I think it says an awful lot about you. Like if Steph Curry is rubbing you the wrong way, what the hell went wrong with your life? What are you trying to pretend <laughs> yes. you are if he ain't impressive? 
That's what I was just going to say, man. Hey, look, if you don't like Steph Curry, that's on you. Hey, I, right. or, or you're a Here's Celtic the thing. fan. You're a Celtic fan for a couple of weeks, right? That's it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sports is allowed to happen. But, you know, I, hey, I understand, and you do not need to explain to me why you don't like Draymond Green. Like, I get it. I, I get it. <laughs> Steph Curry, though? <laughs> Steph Curry? I mean, come on. Steph Curry? I mean, because here's the thing. He's all the good guys things that you would want. And if the argument you want to make is, well, I don't like him because he's a little soft, too, you're out of your mind. This guy is a stone-cold killer. And if you are, if, if you're so naive that you need to boil it down to a single shot, you know, Jordan getting off the shot of the push off, you need, you need that one moment to then have it all click in for you and understand you just don't get it. Steph Curry's moment is five consecutive NBA finals and dominating the league and changing it forever in less than a decade. Like that's a pretty good moment too, even though you can't show it (laughs) one three second highlight. It's a, it's a resume. It's a resume that is beyond reproach. Hey, Damon, I, I, I'm in my basement. I sit here on Saturday mornings. I do a show on Sirius XM radio. I do, a, I do a show on Saturday mornings, and I got my television on, but it's muted. And Outside the Lines did a – I don't even know what it was. It was about Steph Curry and a friend of his. And fine, whatever it was about. But they showed Steph Curry, like, through the years. When the Warriors drafted Steph Curry, and you look back at Steph Curry, the dude looked like he was eight years freaking old, Damon. Like, I thought he was great. And I remember Coach Knight saying this during a broadcast. Everybody loves Steph Curry shooting, and he's one of the best shooters you're ever going to see. But, damn, he ain't afraid to go to the rim, and he's one of the best passers with feel that you will ever see. But when you look at him back when they drafted him, the dude looks 10 years freaking old, Damon, and not a day older. That's it. Yeah. No, it, it, we were wondering if he had shaved before he had been drafted. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> I'm telling it, you, it, he he doesn't have the look, and I think that's what throws people off too. Because look, we're enamored with size. You know, the bigger, stronger, faster is always the desire, and it's the focus of every draft analysis. You know, how big is that guy? How you know, it, it's it. You know, size and girth. I mean, I don't know what you want to call it. Just being a big dude is baked into the desire of basketball fans everywhere. And so when you don't have it, it's easy to dismiss, but it's a game of skill. It's not just a brutish game. And he is as graceful with a basketball as you could ever be. I mean, and, and here's the thing. He's also the single greatest shooter of all time. There's not a lot of players that you can officially point to and yes that guy's the greatest of all time that is the one person who stands out above the rest always he is that person he is unquestionably undoubtedly undebatably the single greatest shooter in the history of this game and i'll tell you what for a guy who struggled a little bit with his season splits he is now shooting four percent above his career average shooting threes in the finals so he's feeling it and I think he do you I I think he's also enough of a killer to have heard the noise and wants to silence it. I for a guy who isn't selfish and doesn't have individual goals, I can tell you he does want this NBA finals MVP. 
Yeah, because, you know, it's nothing wrong with wanting to just shut people up. I mean, look, the only person we give credit to for having a chip on their shoulder and wanting to shut people up is Michael Jordan. Like, everybody else that does it is considered like, oh, you're a bad guy. I don't blame Steph Curry. Do you think Steph Curry, he said it this morning, I was watching an interview on SportsCenter uh, where he said he thinks he's in his prime. You buy that? Well, I mean, I, how about this? We're watching players take careers deeper into, into later years than ever before. You know, what Tom Brady is doing, knowing what he just did, where was his prime? Because we know where it ends. To me, Steph Curry's prime is five consecutive NBA finals. It, you know, unanimous MVP. That felt like a prime year to me. And I, I don't know how a player, you know, 13 years in his career can still be there. But these windows are kept open. And these windows are kept open through dedication, nutrition, and a commitment to the sport that is almost unmatched. And the way that you would get Steph, you know, Jerry Rice used to run straight up hills in Santa Clara to stay in shape. Like he had the Jerry Rice kill hill that he would run up every day and players would try to follow him. And these are great athletes. And they'd be like, holy crap, Jerry, how do you do this? That's what Steph Curry is. Steph Curry shoots a hundred threes every single day, but he puts the ball rack on the opposite side of the court and he is sprinting full length of court to shoot threes. Every single three comes with a full court sprint. He's just, he's the guy who doesn't stop working. So for him to say he still feels like he's in his prime, that's great news. In three years from now, he's going to be making $59 million per year. So I, I, I sure hope he is because I'll tell you, they could keep this going, Dan. I mean, if they win this NBA finals, they're planting the seeds of how to do it in young players like Poole, like Kaminga, like Moody. They are going to have Steph play and Draymond. And I believe that's that that Clay Thompson's best year back from these devastating injuries is going to be next year. It felt like this entire year was ahead of schedule. So um, you know, mid to late 30s, if that's Steph Curry's prime, God bless Joe Lacob and the Golden State Warriors. That building is going to be packed. I got two things before I let you go. One, Walter Payton did the same thing. He ran up a hill, and guys used to always come and try to run up the hill with him and, like, Schomburg. Nobody could. Reggie Miller, when he played for the pay. You remember Greg Graham that played for us at Indiana? Cool. You set a screen right now. <laughs> so Greg Graham, he, he's a draft choice. He's a first-round draft choice. And I called the Pacers and said, hey, can I get Greg to work out with Reggie Miller? And they're like, yeah, but here, you know, Reggie, we'll, we'll set it up. Reggie works all day at, at NIFS, the national right on IUPUI's campus. Greg Graham told me, he goes, I can't do that. He goes, he went up there one day. And it was insane. He goes, you know, the dude just goes there for breakfast, has lunch, can stay. Um, these guys work their brains out. But I got to go to something, and we haven't mentioned him, but this is going back to Chicago Bulls-like. 
When the Bulls needed a center with Jordan and them, they went and got the number one pick in the draft, Bill Cartwright, and Bill Cartwright filled a great role. And if you're the number one pick in the draft, I don't give a damn if your career hasn't gone to where you think it should. You're a talented dude. I said at the time when they went and got Andrew Wiggins, this is the perfect guy because he's uber talented. Whatever's happened is going to be changed with the group that he's with. That was genius getting Wiggins, I believe. And when you look at all the mechanics that allowed that, getting Kevin Durant to agree to a sign and trade, which he did not need to do, to bring in D'Angelo Russell, to then flip for Andrew Wiggins, and the draft pick that became Jonathan Kaminga, by the way. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's just clear evidence that Bob Myers deserves a lot of credit for playing chess, not checkers, with that moment of the Warriors dynasty. Andrew Wiggins was miscast as the number one overall pick in the draft. He is miscast as the cornerstone right. of a franchise. As the third or fourth option, he can be the best basketball player in the NBA in terms of what role are you filling. He is... 17 and six death and taxes. Like that's what Andrew Wiggins has given the Warriors all year. He is 17, 14, 17.6 rebounds. And that is the perfect third guy to come along with potential to drop more on you in either category. Should the game call for it? Um, He is, he is hand in glove fit for the golden state warriors. The way that he didn't fit in Minnesota is the way that he does fit here. You're right. He's perfectly cast as another guy. As the man, it's a miscast. As a man, he's great. Yeah, and I thought he really I, – look, I don't know. He Every time I watch him play defense against a great scorer, my man is in there giving it what he's got. There is nothing other yeah. than want to when I see that kid. And I, Look, Damon, I, I just think – it's my it's, – look, other than my kids' teams – it's the most fun team to watch, I think, in sports. So, hey. Uh, last thing before I let you go, Garoppolo going to be traded? Of course. Of course. There's no doubt about it. He has okay. shoulder surgery. No one's going to trade for a guy until they can watch him throw post-surgery. He's going to start throwing either at the end of this month or at the beginning of next month, and Jimmy Garoppolo will be on another team's roster come week one. Um, unless he's not. <laughs> um, but I, I don't <laughs> I really don't see that, but he, look, he has value if he stays. I do think it's time to hand the, 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 the reins to Lance and all indications are that that is the plan. But if Jimmy remains on the roster and Trey Lance breaks an arm in week three, there's no one you'd rather have. You know, what if I were telling you, it could be the Nate Sutfeld era, by the way, Nate Sutfeld uh, is, 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 is caught on Ooh. with, uh, yeah. So yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that. But, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is gone, and let me tell you, Debo Stan. I know that's going to be your follow-up question, and just to point no. out, because I know, I, I know you love weird stories. Here's the weirdest story we've had in the Bay Area in a really long time, Dan. We are three months out of the trade request, wanting out of the 49ers right before the draft, whenever that was, and we don't know any more now about why Debo fell out of love with the 49ers for whatever reason, than we did the day that it happened. And there are no secrets in sports. Eventually, stories leak. We have no idea what created the fissure between the 49ers and Debo Samuel. We don't know if it's coaching, if it's personal, if it's financial, if it's, you know, if he just doesn't like the Bay Area, if he wants to go closer to home, if he wants to be somewhere else, for whatever reason. Like, we have no idea 
why this player who fit the Niners so well all of a sudden said, I don't want to be here. He has reported for mandatory minutes. F- saw that. Yeah, and, and no, hopefully you are wrong. My hey, hold on. My follow-up was not gonna be Debo. I know you got kids that are ready for dad, but I got to follow up with this. Ten minutes to go in the game. Stafford throws a ball. Your guy Dart has it right in his freaking hands. You got the lead. You're going to have the ball at half uh, at midfield. You're probably going to score. You're probably going to win the game. Is It's going to change the dynamic of everything because the great experiment in L.A. doesn't work. Uh, Grappolo's going to a second Super Bowl. That drop changed a lot of stuff, big boy. That's where I was going, not Samuels. Ha! Okay. Well, you're you're right. I mean, you're you're right. There is no <laughs> doubt that uh, we'd be looking at the Rams much differently today. We'd be looking at the 49ers much differently. Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, it, no one's talking about trading him. Had he gone to or you know won a Super Bowl for goodness sakes, uh, it's it's amazing how careers go like this through big games. You know, which way did you go? Did you win it? Yes. Did you lose? And everything that happens, all the ripple effect afterwards that happens. So, yeah, so close yet so far. There's no doubt about it. Week one, can't get here soon enough. (laughs) I'm with you, brother. Hey, tonight can't get here soon enough. My fat ass is going to be on the couch watching. I can't wait. That was awesome. I got to tell you, my friend, I know why everybody and their mother wants to call you, talk to you, get you on shows. I appreciate you coming on because that was freaking awesome. That's as good as it gets right there. Can I give give you one more on the can I give you one more on the way out? Yeah. Okay. So Steve Kerr, we get a weekly with Steve Kerr, right? So it's awesome. He's one of the single greatest guys you will ever talk to. Steve Kerr is everything you'd want in a weekly interview. He's fantastic. We're talking to him on a patio where he's having a beer with his family in Boston. How you be, how's, how's Boston treating you, Steve? He's like, I got thrown the middle finger by a whole group of people on a duck boat. He's like, I'm walking yeah. to dinner tonight, and a duck boat passes me, and everybody gives me the finger, and I just <laughs> thought, oh, you know, it's great to be in Boston. And then he thinks, wait a minute. These are tourists. There's nobody in Boston from Boston actually on a duck boat. What the hell is this? So there you go. It's like, it's, like, it's like if you want to find a San Franciscan, don't go looking for him at Alcatraz. We're not there. You know, <laughs> that's right. where the tourists are. So, so I just right. I love that. He's getting flipped hey. off. From duck boats, game three tonight. That's as it should be. As it should be. I don't care. Once you cross city lines, you hate Steve Kerr right now if you're in Boston. I don't care if you're from Maryville, Indiana, Indianapolis, Bloomington. If I'm in Boston, it just it's it's osmosis. It just goes into your brain. I hate Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Screw them. Go go red Arbach. You know what I mean? That's it. That's it. Trace Jackson Davis, baby. Trace Jackson. He's back. He's back. And they're preseason favorites in the Big Ten. That's right. That's Damon Bruce. Man, I love having him on. Let me tell you something. Damon Bruce knows more about basketball. You could combine everybody that you ever hear on television or on the radio that hasn't been a head coach 
And Damon Bruce knows more than more about basketball than all of them. It's hard to for me to say that he know, knows more about dudes that have been head coaches. But there ain't nobody on your television anywhere that knows more hoops than that man right there. I'm telling you. And I'm going to promote the living hell out of our interview with him because he's educating people. And that's what we try to do here. So don't at me, people. Damon Bruce was on a roll right there. All right, we come back. Matthew McConaughey uh, gave a talk at a press conference <laughs> briefing. We'll talk about that when we come back on Don't At Me. That was so good. I may have to go to the bathroom. And eh, maybe not. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, right now, 63% said Kid Rock still looks good for his age. 36% said no on the Outkick YouTube, uh, on our YouTube channel right here. Uh, it is rocking, it is rolling on the YouTube channel. But hey, uh, Matthew McConaughey spoke at a press conference briefing, and he was able to speak with the full like weight of the press room. You know, I've been in that press room, and I think it's kind of cool. I do. I, I think the press room... Uh, is all right. And McConaughey calls for responsible gun ownership. I don't think a lot of people um, would have a problem with responsible gun ownership. I don't think people would have a problem with that at all. And I, if you do, I don't know what to tell you. Well, you're supposed to have irresponsible gun ownership. Is that what we're all supposed to do? Uh, look, right now, there are a lot of things. Gun ownership should be a nonpartisan issue as he argued that people in power have failed to act. Here's what I say about that. First off, I love, I have no problem, whether it's Steve Kerr, whether it's Popovich, whether it's Matthew McConaughey, I got no problem with everybody, and I mean everybody, expressing an opinion. I don't. I think that's what America is about. I think that's what we should do. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of actors. I'm, I like actresses. I mean, what the hell? But actors, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a, like, I don't hold a lot of weight on people that pretend to be somebody else. They're, I'm assuming brilliant people, caring people, just like most people are brilliant. Most people are caring. Most people think uh, before they speak. One of the things that I do know in this world is this, the real world is different than anything we're seeing on television, anything we're seeing in press conferences and anything that we are seeing across the country on Twitter. It just is. And the real world is a compassionate world. The real world is one of these, uh, it's just totally different. And Matthew McConaughey says, responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked for some deranged individuals. And he's probably right. Particularly about the deranged individuals. Let's be honest. You, you know, I, I saw where somebody... One of our lawmakers said, well, you know, uh, this isn't a mental health issue. Well, let me ask you this simple question. Do you think somebody 
is all there, not deranged. It doesn't have mental health issues. If they are going to, at 18 years old, walk into a school and shoot up kids, do you think that's just a normal deal? Of course that's not a normal deal. Of course that is a mental health issue. The way I have looked at this or what I have been told by people that are actually in the legal business that are a couple of former uh, lawmakers have told me, look, Dan, uh, the bills need to be passed, but bills need to be passed to do specific things. Bills don't need to be passed as a harbinger for other things in the bill. If you want more gun control, or if you think background checks are going to be the thing that prevent or at least detour mass shootings to happen, then guess what? Pass the bill that is specific to those things. Don't throw in a bunch of pork. Don't throw in a bunch of nonsense. Don't throw in a bunch of bipartisan, excuse me, a bunch of partisan stuff because you are tugging at the emotional purse strings and you are trying to get something passed. It's that simple. That's the most frustrating thing for lawmakers, I've been told, is look, we want to pass reasonable legislation and it's not just gun legislation, it's whatever. But the people that put these bills in, particularly on emotional issues, add so much nonsense to the bill that if you actually read the bill, you can't pass it. Reasonable people can't pass it. Now, people with agendas that want certain things that are not the headline of the bill, those people want those bills passed because not only do they get the headline, hey, we passed gun control, hey, we're protecting our kids, but they get all this crap that actually in some cases goes against that. We cannot be leaders if we're only living for election. Now, it is interesting that he is up there saying this from a White House that has a guy in office that has been there for 50-some years, whose other leader, a lady who has been there for 50-some years. I mean, I listen to that and I say, we cannot be leaders if we're only looking and living for re-election. I totally agree with that. That's why, as I never cared about this before in my life, that's why I'm like, why don't we have term limits? Why are we allowing these powerful yet dysfunctional families, whether it's the Trumps or the Bidens or the Bushes or whoever, the Clintons, why are we allowing these folks to maintain power? You're going to see this soon. You're going to see Chelsea Clinton run for some type of office. You think they're done, the Clintons? Are you crazy? When people get power, what do you think they want? More power. I mean, let's be honest here. Let's be real here. Uh, the idea that somebody from that particular podium would talk about we cannot be leaders if we're only living for re-election is irony at best, ignorance at worst. That podium with that guy, not McConaughey, Biden, who's been in office for what? 50 freaking years? Who has vacillated so much from being among the most racist talking senators to now the guy who supposedly puts his arm around the African-American community and wants to protect them in quotes. Look, I don't know the answer. I don't have the answer. 
I agree. There should be more background checks. I may be going against our entire company when I say I don't understand why folks have to walk around with AKs or ARs or automatic weapons. I get the whole, hey, look, you can make anything an automatic weapon. Just put this on. That's fine. I get all that. Don't, you know, fine. And if you turn the channel off because you disagree with what I just said there, fine. But I'm in the middle. And I've always said I agree with both sides. Both sides aren't idiots. You know, just because you're a Democrat doesn't mean every idea coming from the Republican side is idiotic. And just because you're Republican doesn't mean that everything from the Democratic side is idiotic. I don't believe that. I do believe in stronger background checks. Is it going to stop what happened down in Texas? I don't think so. I do also believe that if you say, hey, look, we're going to ban guns, criminals will be the ones having guns. I believe that. Look, Chicago has gun laws, but you know how easy it is to gut, literally, I'm being literal here, in some areas, walk across the street in northwest Indiana and just go get a gun legally from the state next to you? It's right there. So you say we should have federal gun laws. Well, how about this? If you think we should have federal gun laws, then present a law that doesn't have a bunch of crap in. Present a law that can actually help people, not help a party. Now, I don't know. I'm sure what I just said here will be met with, Dan, you're really stupid. And I agree. I am. I think a lot of us that don't lean a particular way, or excuse me, that don't jump a particular way and maybe listen over here and listen over there are perceived as, well, you just don't understand. Oh, sure, I don't understand. But I don't think there's any reasonable person. I don't think there is any human being that can be reasonable and say, we don't need to do something in this country about the proliferation of shootings. And I'm not just talking about in schools. Of course we need to. I have a daughter. My daughter teaches school. My daughter's a fourth grade teacher, actually, in Williamson, I think it is. Uh, That's the county. I'm not big on counties. She teaches in Clay's uh, school system, where his kids go to school. She loves the school system. Now, like any other teacher, some parents are a pain in the backside. But I don't want to see my daughter, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this, I don't want to see my daughter have to be armed to try to teach children reading, writing, and arithmetic and how to follow rules. I don't want to see my daughter have to go through gun training. I was listening yesterday on Monday, or Monday. On Mondays here in Indianapolis on WIBC, they have a guy named Guy Relliford. And Guy Relliford is a gun guy. And Guy Relliford is a really smart, good man. And he was talking about how there are school districts where he has taught gun safety. He has gone through with teachers the same gun training that police officers do. And I thought to myself, you got to do it in this day and age. But I also thought to myself, God, I don't want my daughter to have to do that. My daughter is an excellent teacher. And this isn't me saying this. This is accolades that she has gotten, gifts from teachers, our parents, awards that she has won as a teacher. But man, oh man, it's like my mom said, who was 49 years as a teacher. I don't want to teach kids about sexuality. I don't want to have a gun. I want to teach them how to read, how to write. I want to teach them how to get along with others. I want to teach them how to play on a playground. I want to teach them you know, a little bit about, hey, here's how you interact with others. I don't want to teach them about sex. I don't want to have to have, I don't want to have to worry about lockdowns. 
You know, I've got teacher friends that are like, damn, man, do you know what it's like when you got to lock your door and kids have to be under their desk? Hell, we had tornado warnings back in the day, and you're like, hey, uh, Sister Geraldine, is there a tornado? Are we okay? Is everything all right? But, man, I'm for whatever's smart. I am not for whatever just jumps in the way the wind blows. If you don't think that we need some kind of background check expansion, then fine. I personally do. I got no problem, but take the other crap out of a bill. How about you just itemize? With background checks, fine. I'm not a big believer in you out there need an AK. What the hell you need an AK for? I got to protect against the government. I, I can't argue that. But if that's your answer, I happen to disagree with it. And I'm not going to sit here and blame. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, middle-aged white guys like Popovich or the entire Senate's bad. No, I would like a rational conversation about it at some point somewhere among people that can actually change. I can sit here and talk till I'm blue in the face, but what am I really going to get done other than blank off people? Other than blank off. Here's the first response that I saw here. This is what you get. The criminals in Chicago are not getting their guns legally in another state. Chicago is a hellhole because it's run by Democrats forever. There's your answer. It's not your answer. It's just a comment. It's just a comment by another person on Twitter that, do that doesn't have the balls to give their real name. Dan, these politicians, for the most part, are not interested in passing a bill. They use it to fund, fundraise everything. What? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, you got to write coherently. Sometimes I read them before, or I don't read them before I read them. But that's my solution. You know, I don't have one. I wish I had the stones to run for office. But I don't. So I have my forum here. And I'm going to use my form as best I can to have a reasonable discussion. Again, I'm not crazy left. I'm not crazy right. I think the left has some good ideas. I think the right has some good ideas. I will tell you this, though. If NBA players decide to boycott, as Jalen Brown said, and as we talked about this morning, uh, I do think this. I do think it's going to fall on deaf ears, and I do think it's not going to be a great thing for NBA players. That's what I do think. We shall see. I don't know. Hey, look, I like a good protest. I told you this. When I was in like 1976, my father uh, punched a guy in a bar. That guy became his superintendent. That superintendent, first day, fired my dad as a principal at Calumet High School, uh, a melting pot high school. And I don't even know if you're allowed to say melting pot, but I don't care. I'm part of it. I'm Serbian. We're immigrants. Serbian and Polish were immigrants. The whole school walked out. I got home, there were TV trucks in front of my house. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. My dad had to get on the top of a car with a megaphone in the middle of Ridge Road in Gary, Indiana, and tell everybody, go back to school. This is between me and this guy. My dad went and became a typing teacher in seventh grade. The school was in hell. A couple years later, they brought him back. I love a good protest. I'm all in on a good protest. If NBA players protest, good for you, man. If you feel that strongly, go get it. Go get it done. But I like common sense better. I do. I like common sense. I like discussion. I like action. 
fact, I don't really like discussion. I like action. I like real action. You know, like I don't like BS. Like CNN back in 2021 told us gas prices will tumble below $3 a gallon soon. The government forecasted. We all know this. CNN's in the pocket with Biden and the Democrats. We know that. So of course they're going to say that. You know what you're going to see, I'm guaranteeing? And this is what really sucks. There should be nothing done to influence an election. A lot of people, there's conspiracy theories about everything. A lot of people feel like gas prices will fall right before midterms. And you'll see the people that are, that are going to go from, well, the president doesn't control gas prices, to look what a great job the president did with gas prices. You know, I guess, um, I guess that's true. I don't know. I have no idea. I know this. I want a president to lower gas prices. I don't want to hear the word inflation. I want the stock market rolling. Since 1977, my freshman year in high school, when I took a U.S. government class, those are the three things. When I saw the gas station across from the YNW, all of a sudden raised prices from like 36 cents to 88 cents when Jimmy Carter was in office and I heard the word inflation. And most importantly, we couldn't get McDonald's every other Friday because our family budget got screwed up because of gas prices. I've always said this. I know there's other things, but those are the three things. And this guy has failed us miserably. Now I would add a fourth. How about we have respect slash fear of our own people to not shoot everybody up and of other nations. And how about we not give 40 billion to a war we're not involved in? How about we give it or not give it actually? How about we infuse it into our own nation? But I digress. It's easier. It's easier. It is. It's easier to blame. It's easier to uh, just take your own side than to actually read other in the other people's opinion. That's what I like to do. I thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Today at noon, I'm going to have Tom Allen, the head coach of IU football. If you want to watch my show here in Indianapolis, it's on 107.5 The Fan, 93.5 The Fan. Go to 10 set. We'll go 107.5 The Fan, wherever you get Spotify, wherever you get your stuff. And you'll enjoy the show today. It'll be What the Hell Wednesday on there. Jason Bonetti's going to join us. We're going to talk a lot about the same things that we talked about here. But, hey, it'll be a better show because, uh, I don't know, I really don't know why it'll be a better show. I got to think about that. This was a hell of a show. This is the kind of show that people should do on national TV. Damon Bruce was fan-frickin-tastic. The topics we touched down, uh, while controversial, we actually discussed, and we broke some news. Guys in the back, Dylan, fantastic, absolutely fantastic job. Jacob, thank you. Uh, Corey, you're the best. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. We will talk to you again right here, 9 o'clock tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Doc Itch.